0: And as the week went along, the Lord impressed on me that it was not, that we're not done. You ever had a conversation with someone and they get up to leave and you're like, we're not finished yet. Anyone? Right? Uh, That was the conversation I had with the Lord. I felt like, hey, we're going this direction. And God says, we're not done yet. We've got more to talk about. And so if you would turn in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter three. The title of the message is overflow. So this morning is just very simply overflow, part two. Okay, overflow part two. We started out talking uh, last week. I asked the question, "How are you doing?" A question we ask a lot in our culture, right? How are you doing? I know if you're uh, if you're in Kenya and you ask uh, someone, "How are they doing?" Isaac, where are you at? What's the response? <laughs> usually I'm, how are you And we get there's a fine but it's not like a fine that we get here in the U.S. there's a deeper ah is there knowing I and then yes there's a lot more that goes along with that I put you on the spot thanks Isaac <laughs> we ask that question all the time hey how are you doing And uh, this week, I've been a little more intentional as people have asked me. I bumped into some old friends yesterday, and they're like, hey, how how are things going? And I didn't just give them a pat answer. I kind of stopped and thought about it. And they could tell I was thinking about it because I wanted to be honest about what was happening in my life. It's important for us, us to ask that question, not of other people, but of ourselves, to say, how am I doing? how am I doing today? How am I doing this morning? How is this week going? And so we talked about some things that we can use, some tools that we can use to gauge that. We looked at Psalm 23 uh, and, and the fact that God is our shepherd and that he takes us through these different places. We sang about that this morning and, and, and just the expressions of God's love for us as we walk through difficult things. That God doesn't expe- expect us to turn a blind eye to the difficult places in our lives. To just kind of suck it up or pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? And just get through it. He says, it's okay to not be okay. How am I doing? And in the midst of that, we transitioned into a conversation about what fills you and what drains you. And I drew some, uh, some mediocre artwork up on a whiteboard up here. But God designed us to overflow in our lives in every aspect, that we would overflow, that we wouldn't just get by, that we wouldn't just survive, but as our the name of our church suggests, that we would thrive. Ephesians 3, Paul writes this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. You ever feel like you need more power? Do you ever feel like you need more power? Yeah, I guess so. All right. I'm in a chatty mood this morning, so... Uh, <laughs> we need more power in, through his spirit in your inner being. Not on the outward appearance, but on, on the inside. What's going on inside? I want to strengthen you there so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, God loves you. It's the foundation of everything may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's more than you can even fathom, that your understanding is limited when it comes to how much God loves you and wants to pour into your life. And then he says this, that you may be filled to the measure, to the full measure, of the fullness of God. Overflow. Overflow. This is God's heart for you. So as we talked about what fills you and drains you, and I listed some things out, and we'll talk a little bit more about that this morning. We, uh, we covered and talked about consolations and desolations, What are the things that are uh, consolations in your life? What this week has brought you joy, or even this day has brought you joy, has filled you with comfort and peace? What is it in your life right now that is making you feel like you are closer to God, not further away? Those are good things. Amen. But we also know that our lives are filled with desolations. Things, right, we get the word desolate, we go to a desolate place, it's an empty place. Well, here Christians, like one of our, our Christianese statements, right, is I'm just in a desert right now, right? Maybe you've used that. What you're saying is I'm in a season where there's probably more desolations than consolations, so I feel like I'm in a barren place, in a dry place. But, but what we have to do is do a little bit more work and press in and say, why is it that way? Why am I in a desert? Why am I feeling like I'm in a barren place? And and actually uh, think through that, maybe even list those things out. What is it that's drawing you away from the presence of God? The things that are taking your focus and that effort and that energy and draining your tank. We know this. There's a lot that can fill us. There's a lot that can fill our lives. Uh, For some, well, should be for all of us, family and friends should fill us. Time with family, time with friends. Like I said yesterday, we got to catch up with friends we hadn't seen in in, uh, almost some some eight years, some even 15 or 20 years, and we got to catch up, and we went out to dinner and, and, and hung out, and it was just, it was a lot of fun, and I was really tired when I got up this morning because we stayed out way too late on a Saturday night, but my heart was full. Because I've been with people that I love and care about. Now, I know this. We have extroverts in the room. If you're an extrovert, raise your hand, right? Extroverts. Introverts, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because I know better. I am a capital E extrovert. I love being with people. I lo- When I'm with people, I feel energized, and I just am like, wow, that was so much fun. Let's just... Let's, let's go again. Let's go hang out. Let's go do something. I'm the guy at the end of the party it was like, okay, where are we going next? Right? At the end of the gathering, okay, we're going to lunch, and then we're going to go to dinner, and then we're going to play a game, And right? And I'm just like, whoo right? But there's people, you're like, just the thought of that right now in this moment has completely drained you. We're in like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> time with people or time alone, uh, quality time, we recognize those things fill us. Activities, sports, exercise, cooking, reading, board games, right? Doing, doing things, crafts can fill us, can, can fill a part of our lives where we feel like, oh, I just feel good. I feel, I feel like I'm closer to the Lord, even though they're just activities. I, I love being in my garage. I love working with tools, and, uh, and sometimes I'll just go organize my tools, just because why not? And um, but, but I, the, I know this. God meets me in my garage. It's a sanctuary for me. And that um, might sound completely weird to you and foreign to you, and that's okay. But the thought for me of, of sitting in a prayer closet closet with the lights off, I'm like, that just, yeah, that does not sound appealing at all. It sounds like nap time and claustrophobia all wrapped into one. We like entertainment. I mean, our world, there's no lack of entertainment. Our TV, we have a TV that has a, a bulb on it that projects, and the bulb burned out this week. Went out in just blaze of glory. And uh, thankfully, we had anticipated it in like two hours before, Micah and I were looking at it, and we're like, this, this TV's not doing well. So we hopped on Amazon. We're like, okay, what's a replacement bulb? We had it ordered. But, but for a span of 48 hours, we did not have TV in our house right? (laughs) And we were like, what are we going to do? I came home the other night, all my kids were on the couch like this, right? Because the big TV was out. But we enjoy entertainment going out to movies. And those things for sure, if we're watching things that are appropriate, can fill us, can be a lot of fun. But can I tell you, all of those things can never, ever, ever be a substitute for the presence of God. As good as those things are, as much as I love being in my garage and fixing stuff, it cannot be a substitute for being in the Word, for being in prayer, to, for, for, for practicing spiritual disciplines in my life. They all come together, and when, they're all, when, when all of those things are happening, I'm at my best. But I can't say, you know, today I'm going to choose not to be in the Word so I can go and be in my garage. At some point, I'm just going to become depleted and so we have to ch- see that balance. In fact, we have a story in Scripture that helps us to see that. Uh, in Luke, 10, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 40 through 42, we have the encounter of Jesus with Mary and Martha. We've, we're familiar with this story. It says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You know, this is, I think, one of the only places in Scripture where we hear someone telling Jesus to do something, right? Now, Peter says in the boat, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come. But it wasn't so much a demand, right? There was a little exchange there. But Martha is like, she is so frazzled. She's so empty. She's so worn out that she doesn't even recognize. I am telling Jesus to do something. That's pretty gutsy. Tell her to help me. And Jesus simply responds, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. What had Mary chosen to do? she chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus while Martha was busy getting the house ready. And, and can, can I just tell you real quick, Martha loved Jesus. Martha loved Jesus. It was not that Martha didn't care about Jesus. In fact, her way of expressing her love for Jesus was this I want my house to be ready. I want everything to just be perfect. I want the meal to come out so that everything is hot. Nothing is right. Like when you, anyone relate to that? You're cooking that meal and you got to get the timing just right so everything lands on the table. Including the people. Oh, buddy. Hey, dinner is in five minutes, which means that the food will be hot in five minutes and at the table, which means your rear ends need to be sitting at the table because if you're there in 12 minutes, it's going to be cold. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a good thing. Hospitality is a spiritual gift. However, Martha was so busy doing for Jesus, she forgot to be with Jesus. And not only that, it drained her to such a point, she became agitated and frazzled and angry at Mary and frustrated with Jesus. Jesus, tell her. Jesus says, I'm not going to tell her that. Martha, you're distracted. You're distracted by the thing that's supposed to be a blessing to me. You need to slow down. Mary's chosen something better. Being with Jesus is never a substitute for doing for Jesus. Being with Jesus can never be, I mean, doing for Jesus can never be a substitute for being with Jesus. I have four points I want to make this morning in regards to what it means to be filled in the presence of God. I wrestled with this message a little bit to the point that I almost didn't preach it this morning because I felt like it was a little over simplistic. This is what I heard the enemy just kind of, like we talked about this last week and almost like, well, why are we going to have the same conversation again? We already talked about this. Your congregation is smarter than that, right? They get it. Okay, let's move on. But like I said, I was ready to hang up and Jesus is like, no, we're still having a conversation here. Don't move on. This is, was kind of neat. Um, Christy Lillivois, who heads up our prayer ministry, wasn't able to be here this morning because they have a child who's sick. And so she usually has a set of prayer points that she gives to us for our time of prayer in the morning. And so this morning she texted me the prayer points for today. And her prayer points were almost exactly the points I'm about to preach on this morning. And I'm standing in the parking lot, uh, at Smart and Final, I had to run and pick a few things up this morning. And I just start laughing because I was reminded of God's love for me and his love for you. And where the enemy's going, No, that's not a good idea. There's better things you could preach on. And God says, No, I know exactly what my children need this morning. You walk in obedience. And so I'm excited what God's going to do this morning. Maybe he's already stirring your heart. But I believe the next four things, they're super simple. You, your world is not going to get rocked this morning. You're not going to be like, oh, my gosh, never thought of that. What I want to invite you to do is would you just open your heart to the Lord to say, God, would you, would you just massage the places where I'm being more like Martha and less like Mary, where I'm busy doing instead of being because there's no substitute for being in the presence of Jesus. The book of Hebrews says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And that's not a prideful, arrogant kind of boldly, it's a confident, this is my daddy. I belong here. It's a boldness that says, this is the right place for me to be. And so as we enter into that place, as we make place for that in our lives, the first thing that we need is this. We need to be still. We need to be still. I don't have to elaborate too much on this. We, we live in a busy world. You live very full lives. I know that. I know that there's demands on your time. I know that there's places you have to go and people you have to see and things that you have to do. There are committees and boards and sports things and this thing and that thing and right, drama and whatever. I mean good drama, like acting drama, not drama drama, and maybe that too. But we've got a lot going on. And we've got a lot of things in our lives to remind me remind us, remind me and you about what we have going on. I mean, this is both a blessing and a curse. Because because I have access, and people have access to me, and you have access to people, and, 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 and it can make demands of your time, and, and where you feel like, oh, I'm going to have a few minutes of downtime, and then it vibrates, right? Even if you turn it on silent, it's still on the table, and then what does your mind do? I wonder who that is, right? Or how about the phone call that you get that's not a number that you know, and then they don't leave a message, you don't have... Does that just does it drive anyone else nuts? And you're like, I wonder who it was. I wonder what's was going on, right? And then you like become like the detective, maybe Google the number. Okay, we'll stop there. We lead full lives. We need to be still. We need to be quiet. We need to be alone, even the extroverts. We need to be unhurried and undistracted. We need to be still. It's hard. To slow down and stop. Out of the four things I'm going to talk about this morning, this one's the hardest for me. Because even when I feel like I've stopped, my mind doesn't get the message. And my mind is just racing. In fact, sometimes my thoughts become louder when I stop. I recognize some of my activity is used to mask right, my thoughts to keep that quiet. So when I stop, my mind just starts going. But I need to be still, you need to be still. We need to be connected to God to hear his voice. Psalm 46 verse 10 says this, he says, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted on the earth. Be still and know that I am God. That it's in the quietness that that assurance, that knowing who God is, comes into full focus for us. Where we start understanding who He is. It's in those quiet, secret places. You know what I love about the psalm is that in our stillness, God, God is, there's not, nothing that's detracted or added to His majesty because I'm quiet. And I think sometimes we feel like I've just got to keep going because God's glorified in my busyness. But your busyness or your stillness does not add or detract from his majesty. He's saying this, if you're, be st- if you're still, if you're quiet, I will still be glorified and magnified in the earth. I just want you to be with me. I just want you to, to sit with me. I, I, one of the, the defining moments in my life in ministry was after a t- particularly difficult season in my life in, in ministry. And, and we'd had to make some hard decisions. And, and I, I could honestly say for the first time in, the, in my life, I'd, we had no next thing. We'd stopped pastoring a church and we had no next place to be. There was no ambition for we're going to go here or there or, right, this is the next step. And it was just a really weird place to be. And so I found myself just in my devotions time. I wasn't trying to to connect with God for a sermon, for vision, or for direct. I was just with God. And, And I remember him saying to me clearly, Barry, I care more about who you are than what you do. That you are valuable to me not because of your name, your title, your reputation, your activity. You're valuable to me just because of who you are. And I wept. Because it not only stood in the face of what I'd learned in ministry and in my relationship with God, but even in the midst of the culture that values worth or measures worth based on what you do. The kingdom of God is not that way. And, and it's really reflected in, in our ability to be still, to stop, to say, you know what, God, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm quiet, if I stop for a minute, the wheels aren't going to fall off. It's going to be, okay, I have a, an illustration I want to use this morning to illustrate some of these uh, points. Make sure not to drop this. It is not a turkey. I thought the same thing, right? No, it's a pitcher of water. You know, I have a cup that's you know, about two-thirds full, and, and we talked about last week, there's things that, that drain us, and so we'll, we'll fluctuate in our lives, and right, there's no hard, fast gauge to know exactly today. I'm, how are you doing? Well, I'm three-quarters today. No, that, right, but we just know that our souls let us know, hey, you're not doing that great today. Maybe you just wake up, and it's just been a rough week, and you just drain, and you just feel it, and you're like, ah, there's been a little more poured out than is coming in this week. But here's, here's one of the things with being still is that in order for me to receive from God, if I'm constantly moving, right, it's just not, I'll catch a bit here and there. But when I stop, there's a filling that takes place that refreshes me. But we're so go, 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 go. And so we're like this cup. And God's going, I want you to know how much I love you. Just just stop for a second. Right? Do you ever feel that? I mean, it's silly, but it's so true. A moving cup will not catch water. At least not to, the, to be filled. It's when we stop Daily even multiple times a day, maybe stopping for extended times. This is why Sabbath, by the way, is so important. You know that God spends more time and more verses addressing Sabbath in the 10 commandments than the rest of them. Why? Because it's important for us to stop because I can't worship him and I can't know that he is God and and I can't put him in his rightful place if if I don't stop and receive from him to cease my activity. So God says, you got to stop. Psalm 62, 5, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. Wait quietly. I know that there's very few of us that like to wait, right? I don't want to wait. God says, wait, wait on me. Mark 1, says of Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, a quiet place, an undistracted place, and he prayed. And I doubt very much that Jesus prayed in such a way that he just talked all the time. I think he sat. his prayer was, I sat in the presence of my Father and allowed him to minister. We have to be still, but that's not enough. We also need to be open. We need to be real. We need to be transparent. We need to be vulnerable. Again, not hard, I mean, not easy for us. That's very hard for us. See, we have this thing called a personality, and there's all kinds of, like, you can take the disc profile or the Enneagram or the right, Myers-Briggs, and you can take all of these assessments that tell you what kind of personality you are, but essentially what they're telling you is how in your life you've responded to the input you've received on how you're supposed to behave in a particular situation. Our persona, which comes from the the Greek word, which actually means mask, is something that is formed from when we're little kids and we start learning that there's social norms and mores and things and, and that like when that person has that look or that, that, that body language, what they're saying to me is I need to respond in a certain way. And so we start acting out, literally acting out, what we, ex- we think people around us expect for us to act out. And in the midst of that, our true self, who we really are, who God's created to be, becomes, just starts getting pressed down becomes more and more hidden. And the problem is, is if we're not spending time in the presence of God, where He can tell us, this is who you are, this is who I say you are, we will let the world and our families and people in our lives, and even the church, dictate to us, which should only come from God. So we have to strip that away. We have to be open before Him. See, because when I learn to act in a certain way based on what's happening around me and I learn that in my life and my personality, we say things like, well, that's just the way I am. What I'm saying is this this is my default because this is what I've grown up in and this is what's expected of me. And that is so hard to change. We bring that same mask into our relationship with God. God's going, I need you to just be real with me. I need you to be open with me about what's really going on. Now the, the irony is, he already knows. He already knows. So it's not so much about him knowing; it's about us coming to terms with what's really happening in our lives. And so, again, with the illustration, if I have my hand over this cup, that water is just—you know—it maybe a little bit's going to get through there. But when I'm closed off. When I refuse to be vulnerable before Jesus, when I I don't open my heart up to him and allow him to search me, I'm not going to receive from the Lord. It's going to become transactional, which I believe is a lot of Western Christianity, especially a lot of our prayer life is, God, here's what I need. God, I'm pulling up and I'm placing my order and I need you to come through. And he's going, no, 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 no. That's yes, that's part of what I want for you, but it's not the whole picture. Would you sit with me and just trust me, allow me to speak into your life? See, God's not impressed with our lofty prayers and our piety. You know what He loves? A broken and contrite heart. He loves it when we come to Him and we're like, God, I'm I'm a mess. I'm not doing well. God does not need you to perform for him because he already knows who you are. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him, listen to this, in truth, in truth. Now there's a lot of layers of meaning to that truth, but I believe part of that is that I'm truthful about where I'm at. That I'm open and saying, God, here's, here I am. I love the Psalms of David because he just cried out all the time, God, this is me. This is me and I'm a mess, but this is me. And, and over and over we see him seeing an aspect and a dimension of, and a revelation of who God is and God's goodness in his life. So your persona can act as a blockage from you and prevent you from receiving all that God has for you. We have to be able to say, God, I've learned to act a certain way and be a certain way and make certain assumptions about myself, but would you search me and would you strip away even those things that I've come to believe about myself? And we start opening ourselves more more fully and trusting Him more fully. Psalm 139, 1 through 4, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. God knows you. Church, listen to this. God knows you, and he's still okay with you. I know me, and I'm not even okay with myself. God says, I know you. And I know all your faults, and I know what you're going to say before you say it. Right. And I still want more time with you. I want to be with you. I want to pour out my love into your life. We do not listen to me, church. We don't have to pretend with God. You, know, if you don't take anything else away this morning, you do not have to pretend with God. He knows. He knows. Next is this: be emptied. So be still, be open, and be emptied. You might be going, wait a minute, isn't this about overflow? Isn't this about being filled? Yes. But you know, I have a little cup of water here that has it has some, some dirt in it. it. Has some stuff that doesn't belong. Would you say there's maybe some stuff in your life that doesn't belong? Some things that have contaminated or gotten in and Right? You're like, ah, I don't want to take a long drink from that. That just doesn't look appetizing. It doesn't look refreshing. And there's parts of our lives, let's be honest, that are not refreshing. How many, like, oh, I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I exhaust me. I don't even need other people to do I just exhaust myself. And, and, I, and here's, but it's one of my gauges when I let my thinking run away my thoughts, my imaginations, my vain imaginations, and I let the enemy start having more of a voice, and I stop listening to the voice of the Father, I can exhaust myself. When I was a kid, we bought a house that uh, had been standing empty for months, probably about six months, and it had a pool which had water in it, but I believe, and try this, but I believe you could actually have walked across the pool. It was that. <laughs> It was just that nasty. We were not diving into that thing anytime soon. And so we recognized that something in either the pool had to be completely drained or the water had to be fixed. Needed a lot of attention. There's stuff in our lives that becomes toxic that starts growing. And God says, you need to be emptied of those things that shouldn't be there. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Again, this is David writing, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Remember, last week we talked about where you're sad, glad, mad, and anxious. That your your points of anxiety reveal where you're not trusting God. My anxiety highlights the places where I've taken matters into my own hand and I've stopped trusting God. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, we read that and we're like, what an awesome prayer. But how many of us actually pray that? I mean, pray that in a way that we're like, God, just wreck me. I mean, that's what he's saying. God, would you come in? Would you invade my heart? Would you test me and probe me and, and reveal things? And, and if there's anything that's offensive, right? Not offensive to the people. If God, what are the things in my life that are offensive to you? The things that are offensive to you, would you reveal those? And then would you lead me out of them? Would you lead me into a better way and into a better place? So so what we could do with this cup is is pour it out. The problem is, is at a certain point, it's just completely empty. And God's going, well, I don't want you to be completely empty. Because that's not good either. And so what he does in the midst of emptying out the things that shouldn't be there, he displaces it with the, the power of his presence. I'm hoping I have enough water to really do this well. But you start seeing how... Right? So it's not completely clear, but you get the point. We'll do a little more here. If we just kept pouring more clean water, what's eventually going to happen is that the, the gross stuff, and you guys, everyone's seen this done in an experiment or in a classroom, right? This is, again, it's nothing like, <gasps> wow. But the love of God to say, I want to pour myself into you. We sang about that this morning Holy Spirit rain. God, I want your presence in my life in such a way that all of the garbage just gets displaced right out of me so that nothing of the old stuff remains. This is a process, by the way, called sanctification. That I know that I'm dirt. When I come to Jesus, I'm not a completed work. He, he declares me righteous and holy, but he says, we've got some work to do fixer-upper style, right? And we're going to tear some things out. But I'm loving and I'm gracious and I'm kind and I'm going to work with you so that we can bring you to the place that I want you to be. I want you to be sanctified. And it's just a daily process. But the thing is, we let time go by and we let things settle and sediment and layers and it gets hard and crusty. And God says, "Just, just more of me, more of my presence, Saturate yourself in me, and that stuff will work loose, and it will come out. 2 Corinthians 7.1, Paul writes this, Therefore, since we have these promises, what were the promises? He says that God tells us that we will be his children. That you're my kids, I love you, you're my kids, you're my prized possession. He says we have these promises. And he says, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates Body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. God wants us to overflow, but he wants in the midst of that overflowing for the stuff that doesn't belong. You know, I think sometimes the brokenness and the dirt and the junk and the sin and the attitudes and the pride in our lives get so much attention and focus. I need to be less prideful. I'm so prideful. I need to stop being so prideful. And you know what I'm, all th- I'm thinking about? This pride. And God's going, let me help you. No, I'm good. I got this. Right? And God says, no. Get the focus off of... Now, we need to be aware. But it's not, it's not just me going, hey, let me self-examine. God, you examine my heart. Because I tell you what, he's going to be kinder with you than you are with yourself. Right, Galatians five twenty two through twenty three. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. That's what a clean cup of water looks like. Am I being loving? Is there joy in my life? Am I peaceable, patient, kind, goodness? A good, am I good? Am I good to people? Am I faithful? Am I gentle? And am I self-controlled? An easy way to gauge, an easy way to tell. I tell you what, when, when I'm not patient, when I have an attitude with Megan, hardly ever happens, but no, I'm just kidding. It happens way too much. Right? My response is, God, why is that coming out of me? Because it's not about what, you know, yeah, there might be things we need to talk through. But it's the response of my soul reveals how clean that cup is. And God, I need to go spend some time in your presence and allow you to empty me of the things that shouldn't be there. So I can finally, point four, be filled. To be filled. We need to be filled with the right stuff. We need to be filled. And again, we can, we can look at the... God enjoys the things we enjoy. He's given us the ability to, to be in relationship and to, to have fun and, and laugh and, and, and do, to recreate, to, to, to do things that fill us. But again, they're not a substitute. They can't be in place of the presence of God. So yeah, we need to be filled. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with his presence, Romans 15, 13, which is where we started out last week. May the God of hope, the God of hope, why? Because sometimes this doesn't feel very hopeful. The things I'm facing do not seem like there's a lot of hope wrapped up in them, but he's the God of hope. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Why? So that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, simple, simple message, but isn't it crazy that so often the simple things are the hard things to do? Can I encourage you this morning? Would you take time this week, would you take time today to sit with Jesus, to picture yourself at His His feet? There's going to be that pressure to perform, to do, to be active, to, okay, i got to do the next thing. But we need to take those moments, those little mini Sabbaths, and say, God, I just need to sit in your presence to be still, to be open, to be empty, to be searched, and then to be filled by you. And I tell you what, as you do that throughout the day, and you do that throughout your week, you will start seeing transformation and change in your life like you've never never seen before. It's not about coming one time and grabbing like the big old pitcher and just being like, ah. It's throughout your day, drinking more, a sip here, a drink there, a little here, a little there, and you watch as God will be faithful in expressing his love for you. Let's stand together as we close. And invite the worship team to come forward. We do this for a minute. Would you just close your eyes and maybe even just extend your hands in a sign of receptivity before the Lord? See, what we could do at this point is rush on to the next thing. But let's be still. We're going to take. 30 seconds. We're just be quiet in this place. Would you allow him to speak to you? Father God, this morning we are thankful for your love. Thank you. Thank you that you are gracious and you are kind and that you are merciful and that you extend yourself to us. God that you know every detail of our lives and you still embrace and welcome us. God that there's nothing that's hidden. And I pray God that for us that that would not be a scary thing. But it would be something that gives us peace and confidence in you. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you fill every life, every heart, every soul that is lacking, that is struggling this morning. Could you bring refreshing right now in the name of Jesus? God, we pray over places of brokenness. God, we recognize sometimes the dirt in the cup isn't there because we put it in. It's because it came from somewhere else. Lord, the hurt, pain, rejection, fear... Lord, none of these things have a place in your kingdom or in your children. Yet so often, Lord, we find ourselves wrestling and struggling with those very things. Holy Spirit, would you bring a cleansing work and would you flush out those things, God, that do not belong, no matter where they came from. We just want them gone. Cause us to be a people who display the fruit of the Spirit every day, everywhere, with everyone. God, give us wisdom to slow down and be with you. We love you, Lord. We receive from you all that you have for us with grateful and thankful hearts. In Jesus' name. Our prayer team is available. If during our final song, if you want to pray with someone, feel free to move to the back. They'd love to pray with you. Let's close together in worship. Sing it.